Last week, <clears throat> I'm going to read the last paragraph so that we have just a brief refresher of what we were doing. And then we'll get right into working the next paragraph. We're not going to repeat any of what we did, except the overview of the last paragraph. The world of perception, on the other hand, <coughs> is the world of time, of change, of beginnings and endings. It is based on interpretation, not on facts. It is the world of birth and death, founded on the belief of scarcity, loss, separation, and death. It is learned rather than given, selective in its perceptual emphasis, unstable in its functioning, and inaccurate in its interpretations. <coughs> and that's how far we got in the processing of what we were reading. <clears throat> if you need to review any of that in the future, go back to the second half of what's recorded on, uh, in the cloud, and it was making reference to that particular paragraph. We continue <clears throat> with the next paragraph stating, from knowledge and perception, respectively, two distinct thought systems arise, which are opposites in every respect. <clears throat> so, Here's where we begin to understand the polarity, or in the third dimension, the duality of the third dimension that the Course is making reference to. It is nothing more than two poles, opposite poles, happening inside of human consciousness where one is knowledge, being the absolute, irrevocable, irrefutable truth of consciousness, of source, of that which is higher mind. The Course is referring to it as knowledge. And the opposite or antithesis of that as an opposite polar or dichotomy in the contrast of the human experience in the third dimension is then perception. And so this is where the Course is going to be addressing all the way through what is it, where is it that we are putting our attention on that which we know as knowledge of truth or that which we are perceiving as our five senses are dictating. So these are the two distinct systems which arise and are opposites in every respect. In the realm of knowledge, no thoughts exist apart from God. Okay, and here again, we're using the word God with synonyms of source, consciousness, it, capital I-T, that, cause, universal mind, so all of those are synonyms. It just so happens that the nomenclature of this particular text happens to call it God. Pick your poison, whatever works for you. Because God and his creation share one will. So, in the realm of knowledge, no thoughts exist apart from knowing. 
In the realm of knowledge, no part, no thoughts exist apart from universal consciousness. We're all comfortable with that? Are we all comfortable with that? <clears throat> okay, so this is where that there is no separation in thought. There really is no... Uh, the separation of thought in itself is an illusion because there can be nothing separate from universal mind or from God consciousness. There is only one thing, one it, one that, and everything else is encompassed by it. The illusion or the lie, or the misnomer, or misinterpretation, is our perceptions. We're going to get into that in a moment. <clears throat> okay. why, why is this? Because God and His creation, and His creation is both in capitals. His and creation are in capitals. Meaning, His... It, it is part of all the same thing, whether it's he or him or her or it or that or his or its, it's all the same because when there's oneness, there's only one. So it, it's, it's, not even, it's not even possessive. It's not, it's not belonging to him. It is him. That's a distinction. It's not belonging to him. It is him. It, it is an expression of of him or of it, okay? So, so all of creation does not belong to God. All of creation is God. You see, something that belongs to something, you, you have acquired. If something belongs to you, you've acquired it. You got it somehow. You obtained it if it belongs to you. But if it is you, it's not something that belongs to you. When I speak of my character traits, I don't say my character traits belong to me. My character traits are the expression of me in the human realm. And, and that's a distinction that would be good for us to understand. Then it goes on to say, because God and his creation share one will. Okay. Meaning... There is no possibility of there being more than one will. There's only one will. Everything is God's creation. There are no exceptions. Everything that man is supposedly creating, we spoke of this a few weeks ago, we're just innovating it. We're innovating or we're co-creating to the degree that the third dimension allows us to play in this playground with the with 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 substance that has been provided to us showing up as the elements that are primordial to this realm and then we get to take those elements and give them new combinations taking on new form. So they show up as an automobile and a toaster and a hybrid version of a plant that no one has ever seen, an orchid hybrid. But man did not create that orchid hybrid. Man innovated that orchid hybrid from two seeds or, or from 
from the cellular components of two seeds that were fused by human understanding in the form of technology and then have shown up as, as the expression of something that appears to be new, but really is just an innovation of the composite of two fundamental creations of source. Source created two different orchids at one point in time in the mind, in the consciousness of God, two orchids were created from God's substance, from, from universal mind substance, and then man got a hold of both of those seeds, took them apart, and took the cellular components and fused them to create a new version. So it's really important for us as we go forward to understand that we're really never creating anything, but we are playing in an infinite infinite playground of possibilities where we will never, ever, ever bore. It is not possible for us to run out of possibilities of how to play with substance at the primordial level. level. And, and, and spirit within us is that which has access to substance for infinite abundance in the material world on any level. So we get to play exactly like God because we are an expression and a manifestation, an extension and individuation of God or source or universal consciousness. We are that. And that's why we get to play as if we were it because we are an individuation of it. And so... This is where all of the wondrous stuff that we create in this playground of the third dimension comes from. It comes from creative mind. It comes from the genius, the genie, the genius mind of the human being, which is the genie mind of the human being. And what is a genie? It's a magician. And what is magic? In the world that we know the term of magic, it's making something from nothing. And what is making something from nothing? That is an attribute that we understand only God has. Making something from nothing. Making, making the material world show up from ethereal substance. That's something from nothing. And we get to play in that playground. And we get to play with that attribute, that is an attribute that I have access to when I go and access my divine mind. That's where my highest level of creativity flows from. It is born of that because every, every thought process, every divine thought process is part of the universal consciousness. I have access to tap into the computer bank of universal mind. I can tap into that of universal mind. So therefore, I can know, have, have the possibility of knowing all things. I have the possibility of knowing infinitum. That's amazing. That is mind-blowing as a possibility to have an understanding 
and knowledge at the level of infinitum. Why? Because I am an extension of that. I have access to that. I've been given the PIN number, how to get into that account. But I don't often use it because I'm caught up in the illusion of the other stuff that's caught my eye more than having the PIN number to the ultimate bank account. I'm, 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 I'm caught up with the Maserati right here instead of the PIN number to the bank account that holds all the Maseratis that will ever be made and ever have been made. And this is the stuff we need to begin to get a grasp on in order to live life to the full potential of our possibility. This was a perfect example of how to not stay on track. Okay. The world of perception, however, is made by the belief in opposites and separate wills. Notice how it said belief. It didn't say that it is. It said it's a belief. The world of perception, however, is made by the belief in opposites and separate wills, in perceptual conflict with each other and with God. And it's in perpetual conflict with each other and with God. So <clears throat> we, will, we will see further on that it doesn't have to be that way. And that's what the Course helps us to do, is to alter our perceptions to see things as they are so that we are not in perpetual conflict with each other and with God or God's will. Because remember, just a moment ago, it said that God and will were one and that there's only one will. Come on in, Dan. Welcome. It's okay. We're all good. So remember that God and will are one. And so, if that is true, then the belief in opposites and separate wills is an error in perception because there's only one. So, that's going to apply to personal relationships to relationships with circumstances, to our relationships with objects, because our entire life experience is based on our personalized, individual, subjective relationship with people, situations, and things. That is the human condition. That's all there is. People, situations, and things. And my life experience, my personal experience, is always based on my perception with those three things. This is where this is going here. So, the world of perception, however, is made by the belief in opposites and separate wills, in perpetual conflict with each other and with God. What perception sees and hears appears to be real because it permits into awareness only what conforms to the wishes of the perceiver. That is really loaded. Here's why. 
What perception sees, it starts out with, and hears, appears to be real. It isn't real. It appears to be real. Why does it appear to be real? It's going to tell us now. Because it permits into awareness. Because it allows into my own awareness. My perception gives way to my awareness, what I'm aware of. Only that which conforms to the wishes of the perceiver. Meaning, I've already predetermined what I'm going to see before I see it. This is what I'm saying. I have predetermined, I have predestined in my own mind what I am going to perceive when I view absolutely anything as a result of my judgments, my previous conditioning, and my previous life experiences as a composite of all of those things that make up my personality, which is my ego. My ego and my personality and my character traits are all synonymous. It's the same thing, like we were talking about all the synonyms for God. Ego, personality, and character is all synonymous. So ego is not this horrible, horrible thing that we need to kill and strangle and flush down the toilet. This is not it. It's just part of my, it is my humanity. My ego is my humanity showing up as something that has been labeled that way. The composite of, which is made up of the composite of all of my life experiences prior to birth. And who knows how much of it we drag from previous lifetimes at the point of cosmic memory, Akashic records, and physical cellular memory plus everything that we acquire from the moment we take our first breath onward. So it's a complex thing. I can't prove anything prior to birth, but I do believe that since time is an illusion in itself, that everything that happened at the cosmic level prior to birth has just as much of a possibility of playing a role in the totality of who I am because I am carrying with me the DNA of my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and back and back and back and back and back. And so that DNA has got to have cellular memory as well. So I am the composite of all of that on a soul level. The DNA is carrying the soul forward and then showing up and I get to play again in this new millennium playground and add my own spices to the recipe in my own way. Yes? I just want to make sure that I understand what I'm reading. It seems to me that it says that I have a choice. We do. And when I choose, then I perceive according to my choice. You're, it, it's, it's so far, as far as we've gone, it's telling us that when we perceive, we've already, we, the moment that we perceive, it is as a result of prior programming that we have acquired. Okay. And so... It's my choice to do that. It, 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 is, it is my choice at the highest level of consciousness. I can choose not to believe what my perception is going to tell me. But, but the truth is the truth, and, the, and, and God's will cannot be changed. Correct. 
Whether or not I see it, though, is questionable, the truth. Whether or not I'm, I'm able to be the observer, me become the observer of, I become the observer of me in every situation. That is a learned process, to become my own observer of my own thoughts in, in the here and now, in real time. In real time. So that if somebody knocks on that door right now and it's a street person, that, not, that sees the lights on and walks in, what, am I, what kind of judgments am I going to generate automatically without stopping myself and saying, this is just your precognition, your preconditioning that is playing out on autopilot instantly before you even know the person's name, why he's come in, what he wants, or how he can serve me. And, and that happens all the time. Now, with a little bit more understanding that I have, I catch myself going into that mode more than ever before. But I still go into that mode. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to follow my thought here. So, even though the truth is the truth, and I choose to perceive something else, the truth is not going to interfere with my choice. In other words, God is not going to interfere with my choice. Never. Never. God, the, 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 God's will is not going to tell me that's the wrong choice, you need to choose again, or, or any of that. And, and you're, you're correct. And the reason for that, absolutely correct, the reason for that is because every other choice that you would make is still God's choice because you're God and you're choosing it. It's just not going to be the choice if, if it's a choice that is based on limiting beliefs, on scarcity, on fear, and on suffering, that's what you're going to get in return. And so the, the entire course is based on one premise. Do we want to come from fear and lack, or do we want to come from love and abundance? What for? There's only one reason, to not suffer. That's it. It's to mitigate suffering. Yes. Okay, then, then let me back up one, one second here, and I will read that little piece again. Because God and his creation share one will. There is only one will. There is only one creation. There is only one God. Let's call it all universal mind. All of it. All of it. There's only one. We are part of that. If there's only one, we're part of it. My, my body and my mind is part of that same one, and so is yours. It's all part of the same thing. Now, in order for this playground to have something to play, there has to be contrast. If there were no contrast on any level, there would be nothing to experience, nothing to do, nothing to act out. This is a play. And so we're going to be learning here whether or not the play that we're going to be living out is our choice to have it be a drama or a comedy. But it's a play in any case, because it has a beginning and it has an end. The curtain goes up and the curtain goes down. Birth and death. And it's a play. The play is called life. We're going to play at life. Where? On this playground. 
What is the playground labeled? Stage. Who's the producer? I am. Who's the director? I am. Who's the protagonist? I am. I'm all of the parts. And I get to put on all of the hats interchangeably. And I get to be the good guy and the bad guy. And so the question is always the same one that brought you here, the same one that brought me here. It's the same question. Why am I here in this class? I mean, I don't mean here in life. I mean here in this class. Why do I go to any class? Why do I read any book? Why do I listen to anything? Because I think it's going to help me to understand something about my life so that I feel better about living. It's always because I want to feel better about life or better about living or improve the quality of my life or my living experience. I have extracted that little bit of understanding from every single experience of my life. There is, I cannot think of one single thing that I've ever done in my life that wasn't done if I peel it away fully and get to the core of why I did it. There's only one why. Because I thought I would feel good doing it. I thought I would feel good having it. I thought I would feel good being it, expressing as it. And so why am I sitting here with you folks? Because it feels good. There's no other reason. Because it makes me feel good. Because it affirms that which I want to be affirmed. I am looking to each of you as mirrors in my life for the affirmation of what we here believe to be true. And so we're affirming it for one another as a form of hope. Because it makes us feel better about life. There's no other reason I'm here. I don't get credits for this. I don't get brownie points with God for this. You know? And so, and so it is with everything, with absolutely everything. So, so Fernando, that perception that is yours, your individual perception, and my individual perception, the only reason to become cognizant of it is to be able to make a choice if it is causing a good feeling for me or not a good feeling for me. And if it is provoking a feeling of distress or dis-ease, then I want to alter it because I want to be in a feeling of ease as often as possible. And so, even though the Course is distinguishing <clears throat> that all that is perception is illusory and is not real, it has a real role and a real part in the third dimension of form. And that's why we get to play with it. Because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be having a human experience. We can't have a human experience without perception. Perception is based on our five senses. It's the input signal. It's the sensorial result of the input that we receive from our five senses generates a contrived perception. We formulate a perception from what we hear, see, smell, taste, touch. And that becomes a perception, how we perceive it. This is why all of us can be here and something can be put. I mean, we don't even need to put something here. We can, 
we can look at the color of that flower in that vase and every single one of us is going to have a slightly different perception and name for that color. And it's, they're all going to be true. There's no right or wrong answer. It is individual, the perception. And I can't, I have no way of even conveying to you the level of what I'm perceiving. I can try with words and say to you, well, I see that as a deep, vivid, hot purple. But deep to each one of you and vivid and hot Hot is just degrees, and vivid is just how vivid. And so it's different for, and purple is different for everybody. So even though we do share words that we understand to some degree, none of us are going to create exactly the same image in our mind's eye, nor does our retina respond exactly the same to the emanation of light that that is putting out no two retinas are going to respond exactly. So perception is totally subjective. Yes, Dan? I once heard something to the effect that we don't really see in our eyes. No, we see in our, our brain. Our eyes are just collecting sensations that are turned into perception. And then a part of our brain that, right. um, that deals with those sensations is where it's decided what is being seen. And it even seems like it's in our consciousness, but it's something that's taking place. Right. A little bit prior to consciousness. And so it's very difficult to tell what we are seeing that we've already made the decision about and what we're seeing that might be new from any experience of that thing before. Yes. So in that sense, you may think that you have total conscious choice over what it is you're looking at or exchanging it for something else, but it, it might actually be dealing with decisions you've already made. This, this is exactly what I was saying earlier. It is a composite of our life experience to date. How, how I perceive that is a composite of everything and every word I've ever learned from preschool when I was playing with colors and crayons and finger paints has formed my ideas of what color is all about for me. And, so, and each one of you have your own experience. And so then we try to apply it, and then we try to share it with one another. Imagine how complex that is. It's all totally subjective, completely. Yes? You mentioned that <coughs> the reason for doing this is to help ourselves feel good about being in this place. Right. Does the course address our, um, the fact that we are infinite and that things that we do on this plane have some kind of uh, effect on our eternity? Um, it definitely affects, uh, it definitely uh, speaks to our in, infinite state of being constantly. It speaks of it. Remember, we're only in like the fourth paragraph of the, par of the preface. So <clears throat> yes, it definitely does speak of it. It, it doesn't speak of, of us altering <laughs> on any level, that which is unalterable, because we, we have no effect on that which is, on that. This is for the sake of simply having the experiences. This, this presence in this state, in, in this human state, in this dimension, 
has only one purpose, and it is for us to expand at our experiential level for the sake of experiencing and therefore expanding. The more we experience, the more expansive. And that's all that keeps going on is everything that is in creation as we know it, in the cosmos that we understand, is in a constant state of expansion. All the time, everything. And so are we. I am in a constant state of expansion. My mind is in a constant state of expansion. My brain is in a constant state of expansion, meaning mind is one thing, brain is another. I'm, I'm getting new neural networks happening as I evolve in more experiences practiced over and over, over. The synapses begin to connect more readily until they remain connected. And that's, that's what the evolution of man is all about. And so we look around us at the world, the physical world, and it is much more evolved than it was 200 years ago. That's why we have all of the technology that we live with. And we look at our, uh, yeah, yeah, Dan. And, and we look at our, our, the foods, the food products that we, something as simple as that, we look back 400 years maybe, and how simple people used to eat. You know, there were times where people only ate one or two staples. That was it. In, in their entire diets. And so the complexity of our lives on every level has just become part of the evolution, the expansion of every area of the cosmos. And so this is not going to stop. This is just part. This is, as far as my mind is able to understand, this is what creation is about. It is It is expansion. I don't understand it any beyond that. I'm not capable of understanding it beyond that right now. Maybe someday the human being will be evolved to the point where they can understand it more than, than that concept. I, don't, I, I can't find any other reason other than just the expansion of everything, and I'm part of it. Yes, Dan? And, and it, it, I mean, this is 1,200 pages. It's going to give you many, 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 many insights as to what this is all about. And again, each person that reads this, Dan read that alone. I've read it alone multiple times. It means something to me, based on my perception. It means something to Dan. So we're going to possibly come to a common ground or a relatively common ground. It's relative in this relative world that we live in for the sake of being together and mirroring with one another and sharing a common ground because we choose to share a common ground. Why? Because we want to be encouragement to one another. We want to be supportive of one another. That's why we're here. So we are actually looking for a common ground. And so when we get to whatever you're referring to, please bring it up again when we actually get there. Bring it up. And it'll be interesting, my not knowing your personal take on what you're thinking right now or what you're thinking of right now, it'll be interesting to see how diverse or how aligned our individual perceptions are on that specific subject that he's mentioning. Yes? I was thinking... <clears throat> 
you refer to our five senses being uh, bringing in the impressions and how we interact with the world. The impressions that come in through our eyes, through our ears, through our senses, they're all neutral. Yes, we give the meaning. We, our mind, decides, oh, I like this, I don't like this. Absolutely. I don't like that color. I love this color. So there, if the interpretation comes right. later through our experiences, through our, what we've lived through, our character, our, all those things you talked about earlier. But it's good to know that the impressions as they come in are totally neutral. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, this is, and, and the Course will speak to us. It speaks to us to that from the very first lesson, from the very first exercise. It is that. And that's what exercise number one is. And so there's no doubt about that, that this is totally subjective. This is a Course, and again, let, let's, let's remember what we said at, at first. The Course is not a course of text material. It's what course in life are we choosing to take is what the course means to me, is which course in life am I choosing to take when in fact there are infinite courses. And so I am wanting to live a life that is for me miraculous in the context of the world, meaning as close as possible to being joyous, to being pain-free, free of fear. That would be pretty miraculous to live a life that is not fear-based, that is pain-free, and that is filled with joy. Hard to find because we're all looking in the wrong places. That's why it's so hard to find. The answer is within. It is within our own mind. It is as a result of our own perceptions, which is what we're talking about here how we perceive. Yes, in fact, our, our five senses are only feeding signal. That's it, just, it, it, it's feeding information. What we do with that electric information, how we put it together is subjective. And it means something unique to every one of us. Okay, any, any more? We'll go on. What perception sees and hears appears to be real because it per permits into awareness only what conforms to the wishes of the perceiver. And so it's, I need to set up my wishes. What do I wish to perceive? Because it's only going to allow me to see or to experience what I wish to experience. That is my first decision to be made. What do I want to see? What kind of world do I want to see? That is the big question. Do I want to see a world that is filled with negativity and fear and lack, or the opposite of that? This leads to a world of illusions, a world which needs constant defense precisely because it is not real. That which is real doesn't require any kind of defense. You don't have to justify that which is real. We don't justify the sunlight. We don't justify the moonlight. We don't justify the ocean or gravity 
or, or the air that we breathe. But we justify just about everything else that we have or do or participate in or acquire. You know, there's always some justification. So the best justification among all of them that I can find is, is because it just feels good and helps me to remain aligned and in a state and a sense of well-being. Well-being. Doesn't have to be ecstasy, it doesn't have to be euphoria, doesn't have to be off the charts because those are just extremes. They're extremes of the pendulum. That can be the opposite of being in deprivation, in, in uh, loss, in fear, in anguish. And so what we want is to find that place where we just are stillness and well-being and all of the other things just happen to spin around us. And we partake when we choose and we don't partake when we don't choose and they don't have to be an affect to us. They don't have to get the best of me. Nothing needs to get my goat, neither, neither on a happiness level nor on an unhappiness level. I can enjoy this, I can prefer this over that, and I cannot prefer this when I go to a buffet. I do not prefer that, and I do prefer this. And what a wonderful thing that I have preferences. That's my, human, that's my humanity showing up to play with my preferences. Okay. When you have been caught in the world of perception, you are caught in a dream. I would have preferred to say nightmare in this case, because it's saying caught, caught in the world of perception. So if we're caught or caught up in the world of perception, then we're not in control if we're caught. So when we're not in control of our own mind perceiving, then it's usually not a dream and it's a nightmare. And what we want is to be into a dream state. So they're using the word dream here as that not lucid state, the dream state, not that it's like a dream or a panacea or a nightmare. It's using it as a state, okay? You cannot escape without help because everything your senses show merely witnesses to the reality of the dream. Since I'm dreaming first, this is what this is saying, then my reality has to match my dream. It's not, not my dream, not my reality becomes my dream, my dream becomes my reality. And so it's all happening in my mind first and then it's playing out in my experience. That's what this is saying to us. Any doubt here? God has provided the answer, and the word answer is in capital. The only way out, and the word way is in capital. Answer and way are in capital. And the true helper, and helper is in capital. It is the function of his voice, comma, his Holy Spirit, 
to mediate between the two worlds. Okay, I'm going to back up here one more time. We've got a couple of new people here, and <clears throat> they weren't here when we spoke of the word His voice and Holy Spirit and all of this very religious stuff that in my world of Catholicism makes me go bonkers. And so we're going to redefine this very quickly. Holy Spirit is my soul or my intuition. Okay, it is not something outside of me. It is not something that I beseech and beg for anything, including awareness. It is something that I access within myself. So it is spirit. It is the wholeness of my spirit. It is all knowledge, all information. Holy is whole. And it is the wholeness of all spirit. And wholeness of all spirit is cosmic mind. And my soul is part of that cosmic mind. So when I'm accessing the Holy Spirit or calling upon that spiritual awakening because I want to be in touch with truth or knowledge, as it was speaking about in the previous paragraph, then I'm accessing knowledge at the cosmic level, at the level of cosmic mind, God's source, mind. And so then the way or the helper or his voice, God's voice, the voice of, the, of, of creation, the voice of cause, is accessed through the Holy Spirit, is what it's saying here. His Holy Spirit is called upon to mediate between two worlds. What are the two worlds? The world of spirit and the world of form. Those are the two worlds. The world of not form and the world of form. Or the world of my spiritual beingness, my being, and, and the world of my humanity. And so the two worlds are my being and my humanity. Opposites, necessary opposites for one to exist, the other one needs to exist. Or divinity or permanence. Divinity and permanence are one. And then the opposite of that is the humanity or impermanence because the human being is born and dies. Humanity or impermanence. And so we're going to have these two contrasts, these two polar opposites in any realm that we choose to play with words. Both have to exist at all times. And so the Holy Spirit... Let's also call it my intuition or my soul is the mediator, the Holy Spirit, to mediate between two worlds. So my soul is mediating between the world of the infinite spirit or infinite cause, infinite God mind, and the world of the finite human condition or human perception. So that which is constant, infinite, that which is temporal, human, and that which mediates between the two, spirit or the soul. The soul has come into this realm to take on this form, but it is 
soul, my soul is having this experience through my human condition, through my human condition. My human condition allows the feedback of all of my experiences to the soul, which is the one who chose to come into this form and into this realm anyway to begin with. It wasn't the body didn't choose it. The soul chose the body. The soul chose the geography upon where to be born. The soul chose the parents who to be born to so that I would have that lineage as part of my get up and go, get start in this human experience, in this human realm. And so soul here for any of us that the word Holy Spirit used to grind our nerves, it no longer grinds my nerves, but there was a time I couldn't even say it. I can understand it today as my soul. And so that is that which mediates between the two worlds, which are the dichotomy or the polar opposites of that which is infinite and that which is finite. Spirit being infinite, humanity being finite. Uh, is anyone here not comfortable with the concepts that we're playing with here or the way that I'm expressing them? This is my understanding. Dan, anything with you? Good. No, you're good? Okay. Okay, this is, this is a very subjective portrayal of how this feels for me. I, I can't speak from any other point of view. And I don't have any finite, definite knowledge about whether this is absolutely true or not, not a clue. I don't know. I can, I can only share with you that belief that resonates with me as something so true that I feel fully comfortable with it. I feel fully at ease with what I'm sharing with you. But that doesn't mean that it is the absolute truth. You're going to have to find your own absolute truth, whatever that means to you. Maybe part of what I'm saying works for you and part of it doesn't. You'll come up with your own formula as to what works for you. Okay. I, I've come up with my own formula after hearing thousands of different people speak over 62 years and reading thousands of books looking for the answer. And there is no the answer. What I've found is my answer. What is my answer that sits comfortably with my soul? And, and, and every day, I get more comfortable with that. With, with my, and it's an evolving answer. It's changing for me. Every day, it gets richer and richer and richer. It no longer changes radically from one extreme to the other, but it becomes richer and deeper and more profound, the understanding of it. So I don't think I will ever finish this process of coming to greater understanding and never really reaching the place of having understood fully. I, I, I believe that the day I am about to say I understand fully is the day I will croak. <laughs> and when I croak, then I will understand fully. Die. 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 It's, 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 it's an, colloquialism. a colloquialism. It is, it is in jest, a joking way of saying die is croak. So what you're saying is that we are on the journey together for all of our lives. We are. 
We are. And, and then when our life is over, then I believe we will know all things in an instant. Everything that I ever doubted, I believe, will become clear. And it is at that point in time where I will know what's next. Until then, I won't know what's next. Nor does it really concern me. What is next does not concern me at all. What's here and now concerns me greatly. Because I'm here to make the best of this right now. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a brain? I'm sorry? Do I have a brain? Oh, I don't have much of a brain, but yes, you can have a break. <laughs> okay. So then let me put this on hold for a moment. And... Okay, let's get started after our break and see where we left off here. Okay, so the last line is, um, it is the function of his voice, his Holy Spirit, to mediate between two worlds. He can do this because while on the one hand he knows the truth, meaning truth being knowledge, it, he is knowledge, therefore knows the only truth, my, my soul knows the truth because it is part of knowledge. It is part of truth. On the other hand, also recognizes our illusions. How does it recognize our illusions? Because it's my soul. How could it not recognize my illusions when the soul is also experiencing every bit of my illusory state? Because that's what gives it the contrast in this experience. The soul is the mediator, it's the intercessor, it's the middle point between all knowing and all doing. The body is doing, the spirit is knowing, and the soul is in the middle benefiting from both and serving as a mediation point, an intercession point. I remember in Catholicism, they used to speak of the Holy Spirit being the intercessor. Yeah, from catechism classes. Yeah. Never did I understand what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. On the other hand, he recognizes our illusions, but without believing in them. So that, that's the beauty of my soul. It doesn't buy into the program it discerns. This is where my discernment comes from. You see, it experiences, it gets all the feedback of the human experience, but doesn't believe in them, doesn't buy into them, and therefore can transform those illusions with the knowledge that it has, the truth that it is, the access it has to all-knowing, and that's where our state of wisdom comes in. This is not what it says here. This is what I say here, what I believe. This is where when I am coming from wisdom, from a place of wisdom, that is the integration of my doing and my being so that I am not just knowledge and perception, but I am the totality of both knowledge and perception, and therefore I can respond to life rather than react to life from a place of wisdom. Wisdom for me 
is the integration of my divinity with my humanity. That is, the ideal point of integration is to become a wise person, meaning I am spiritual and I am human, and therefore I have attained wisdom as the balance. It is the middle point, the middle ground, the center way. The, it's the good stuff of life. It's the pendulum only fluctuating like this. It's not this and this. Here's wisdom. Here's wisdom. This is where I want to experience my life. It is the Holy Spirit or my soul goal to help us escape from the dream world by teaching us how to reverse our thinking and unlearn our mistakes. To unlearn our mistakes. That's what we commonly call reprogram. To reprogram all of the stuff that's not serving us well. The stuff that, that is self-defeating. And so that is it. My soul will lead me and guide me because it is my inner teacher. It is the only real teacher. You know, we, we are all teachers and students of each other in the mirroring process of life. But the only real teacher, the only real one that comes from a place of knowledge is my soul or my intuition. That's the real teacher that can teach me nothing but the truth and will never deceive me, will never sway me, will never try to convince me of anything, has nothing to prove, there's nothing to vindicate, there's nothing to... to um, what was the word they used here earlier? Justify. Nothing to justify. Because the truth needs no justification. <clears throat> and so it is the Holy Spirit's or my soul's goal to help us escape from the dream world by teaching us how to reverse our thinking and unlearn or reprogram our mistakes our mistaken thinking. Our mistakes are nothing more than error in thinking. A mistake is nothing more than acting out from a place of error in thinking. So if I stop erring in my thinking, I stop making mistakes in my outer world. Yes, Fernando. So you're saying uh, my mistake is an error in thinking, so you're talking about mine. I'm talking, yes. Mine made a mistake. Right, but mind, mind made what we're calling to be a mistake. And the only reason, from my point of view, that we can call it a mistake, because I don't believe there are really any mistakes, it can only be a mistake in the realm of the third dimension, only. In the realm of the absolute, it's not a mistake at all. There are no mistakes, and everything comes from the realm of the absolute, because there is only one. There is no um, disunity. There is no duality. It is all unity. It is all one. And so even those things that we call a mistake in thinking, the only reason that we even want to qualify it as a mistake is because it hasn't given us a result that's pleasing to us. That's the only reason that we call it a mistake. It's because the result was not pleasing to us. Hitler does not think he made any mistakes whatsoever. They were all pleasing to him. Every action he took, well, or I am presuming this, because he kept on doing it. Right. 
right. and so, you know, I'm, I'm not him, I wasn't in his head, and he's dead to begin with. But he kept on doing it and did it so well, so exceedingly well, because it felt so good to him. So those were not mistakes to him. And so we see the behavior of many politicians in the world today that we go, how can that possibly be taking place? Or, 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 or of groups, of groups worldwide that are doing things that we consider atrocities. And they are engaged in a high level of well-being and joyfulness in the doing of the atrocity. If that isn't perception. They are also connected to us. They are connected. All of it is connected to us because we're all connected to the one. We are all interconnected, all of us. And so, and so the atrocity of the Taliban is part of my own doing. The atrocities of the Taliban are part of my own doing at the level of the I am, because the I am is the same I am of the Taliban as my I am, and I am part of the collective, and, and I am part of the collective consciousness. And so the Taliban and Hitler and ISIS and racism and homophobia and, 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 and are all part of my collective consciousness. They are just not the parts that I choose to portray and choose to put my focus upon. I choose the exact opposite because I have been given the power of choice, free will. And that's what makes this experience at the human realm possible. Without those atrocities, I could not even know the meaning of joy and well-being, peace, love, and harmony. I wouldn't even know what those words mean. The words wouldn't even exist if we didn't have the atrocities to create the opposite. Yes, Nancy. I understand about what you're saying that we're, you know, we're responsible for everything because we're part of the collective consciousness. When you say there are no mistakes, like Hitler didn't see it as a mistake, right? But the rest of us would see it as a mistake. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, the Taliban, they don't think it's a mistake. They right. think they're going to be in glory. Right. Whatever right. They believe. Right. But we look at that as a mistake. Exactly. So I'm having a little difficulty with that. I, I understand you perfectly. And I used to have internal warfare over this stuff. I have now come to the total acceptance, maybe not full understanding, but total acceptance of a truth. <clears throat> I'm going, to, I'm going to put this on hold a second in case you have something that you want to add to it. If it's different, hold it for a moment. No, oh, no, no, no. But you do, and I forgot your name. Lorraine. Lorraine, I forgot. Is it exactly aligned with this or is it separate from? Yeah, I guess it isn't down to perception because we all have different perceptions, different experiences, where we come from, everything about us. Right. And so it's nothing like Adolf Hitler, except you suck air. So him thinking what he did was great in his realm of craziness. And from where our perception of where we're sitting, that we all have, I guess, freedom of that choice. Correct. And you called it craziness. Interesting that you label that that way, because I label myself as being crazy off the charts. 
and I wouldn't trade my craziness today for anything in the world. I do not want to be one less bit crazy. I want to be crazier every day because crazy to me today defines that which does not conform to the norm. That which is established as a norm in the outer world at large is acceptable. It is not crazy and acceptable. And most of that stuff does not at all align with who I recognize myself to be. So I am crazy and they are normal because I don't fit into the norm, nor do I want to. So Hitler was crazy as well. He did not fit into the norm, but he was so passionate about his craziness and so charismatic in his way of expressing his vision that he had millions of followers that subscribed to his philosophy and way of life, and therefore he never got his own hands dirty. He had the masses following him doing all of his dirty work. I would be surprised if the man ever even killed one human being on his own with his own two hands. I would be surprised if that were the case. But he had millions of followers that he was able to mesmerize by his charisma and became followers of his truth because those people did not even know how to access their own truth and therefore became mice following a Pied Piper who played a tune that was pleasing to them. That's all that happened there. And that's what's happening with ISIS, and it's what happened with Catholicism, and what happens with every level of unconsciousness, that's what happens in the world of unconsciousness. When we are not listening to and in tune with our inner voice, the outer voice will take precedence, and then we become followers rather than, what is the right word? And it's not leaders. Yeah, that individuals, yeah, there, there's something a little bit more illumined than individual that, 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 that I, I'm grasping for. We're not part of the I am when we're, we're not <clears throat> being part of the I am, it seems to me that if we're a follower, we're, we're just a follower, we're, we're not thinking for ourselves, we're not... Uh, expressing our own self and, and when we're part of the I am then we, we can realize the truth right, realize is a really good word to be, to be realized to become realized because a person who is realized or working on self-realization is focusing on that which is real that which is real, and only that which is real is permanent or eternal or cause. It is not temporal. So realized is the ticket. That's the word. Realized, realization, real, because it is infinite. It is not finite. Good. Okay, so we're pretty much on the same page here. <clears throat> Let's move on. Okay, let's see. It is the Holy Spirit's goal to help us escape from the dream world by teaching us how to reverse our thinking and unlearn our mistakes. 
Forgiveness is the Holy Spirit's great learning aid in bringing this thought reversal about. However, the Course has its own definition of what forgiveness really is, just as it defines the world in its own way. So, we're, we, we need to go further because it's not forgiveness in the context of the word that we know typically in the world. And that's going to change and it's going to color everything until we get clarity on this. So, <clears throat> so if we say this in another context, my soul is going to use understanding, acceptance, and forgiving of all things, including myself, in order to reverse my perception processes, in order for me to unlearn those things which cause me to live in a dream state that resembles a nightmare and be able to experience life as a comedy or a love story. Let's call it a love story more than a comedy. To fall in love with life. Falling in love with life. So I want my life to be a love story, a story of love because it's not always a comedy and it's not always going to be a comedy, nor is it comical at times. But it can be based on being in love with life and loving absolutely everything in life and about life because that which we want to transform, we will see this later, the transformation of it is based on love. Love is the transformation factor of all things and that comes from a change of perception. Okay, so soon, very soon, we're going to deal with the definition of um, forgiveness. <clears throat> the world we see merely reflects our own internal frame of reference. That, that's so good. It said it a few paragraphs ago, where we have to first have a point of reference, and then it becomes the world we see. It is not the opposite of that. And so, even though nothing is linear, everything is circular, and everything is full cycles, and so we see, we perceive, and it affects, it has an effect on me, and then, in my mind, I have the option of either letting it have a full effect, or bringing in the transformative ability that I have innately from my divine place, and I can transform that perception into whatever I want it to be. So I can take input, receive input from my five senses, and have the ability to transform it in mind to become any reality that I want it to be. That, if that isn't magic, if that, if that isn't the ultimate miracle, I don't know what that is. That's, that, that's got to be what the miracle is. And so the Course in Miracles is the pathway to finding how to transform my perceptions 
at any moment in time what I'm perceiving into that which plays out as a love story of life. My definition of the Course in Miracles, that was it. And I'm going to transcribe it once I hear it. <laughs> because I like it. Because I want that to become my truth. I like that. I want that as my truth in life. Okay. The world we see merely reflects our own internal frame of reference. The dominant ideas, wishes, and emotions of our mind. So... What I, what I have as ideas about the world, what my wishes are, what my emotions are currently based on every experience I've ever had, that becomes my framework, my internal framework and point of reference in order to be reflected outwardly and become my reality in this space and time continuum, my temporal reality because it's not really real, it's my temporal reality. But it's pretty real because I'm here 24-7 in that reality, so I want to make it as good as possible since I am not experiencing only eternity at this moment in time, but I am also experiencing the... Um, the duality of the temporal field in this third dimension. And that is what I call my lifetime. This lifetime is the opposite of eternity even though it is contained within my eternity. My eternity includes this lifetime. But for now, on an experiential level, all I have is this lifetime. I don't really recall exactly my previous lifetimes, and I don't know clearly about my future lifetimes. So this lifetime is the one that I have to be concerned about. This is, my business is in this lifetime. That's it. Not in your lifetime. It's in my lifetime. My business is my lifetime, not your lifetime. And if we could all remember that, we'll have much better lifetimes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The problem comes in when we try to fit your lifetime into my perception. Mm -hmm. Well, and I start judging your lifetime. <laughs> and, and, and we don't need to do that. No. We, don't, we have the option of not doing that at all. And simply seeing your lifetime expression as. I benefit from it from a mirroring standpoint. You're only going to mirror back to me that which I'm bouncing off of you because I'm projecting myself on you and you're bouncing my own perceptions in the way of reference of my own dominant ideas, wishes, and emotions coming from my mind. I'm projecting them onto you and you are then mirroring them right back to me. And that's the loop. That's the continuous loop that we're living here. Each one of you are my mirror. So you, you are my greatest teachers because you are teaching me what I'm bouncing off of you. And what I'm bouncing off of you is what my soul has come here to, quote, learn in this lifetime 
which I would rather say and call experience in this lifetime rather than learn because the soul already knows everything from a place of knowing, but it hasn't experienced everything because it chooses to come into this dream state of having forgotten all that it knows for the sake of experiencing it and the joy of the experience. So what a wonderful contrast. What a wonderful dichotomy to know I am all things, I know all things, I have had all things, I lack nothing, and yet I choose to have a new take on it all for the fun of a new take, a new perception on it. I want to play it out this time as Raphael. Last time I played it out as who knows? As who knows? I might have been Van Gogh. I think I was Louis XV also. <laughs> so whatever it is, and I have been some abominational characters as well because every once in a while I get a mean streak in me that shows up and I know that's been perfected in a previous lifetime. <laughs> so it's just a matter of having that awareness <laughs> that I don't want to go there now. I don't want to go there because it's going to be very uncomfortable if I go there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Projection makes perception. That's what we just talked about. My projection onto you creates my perception. It's a loop. It's a mirroring. My projection of that which is already contained within here makes perception. It's a loop. We, we think that perception makes projection. Well, does it? Maybe. Maybe not. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which is first, projection or perception? It's a loop. So it's, it's really the chicken or the egg, projection, perception. Which, which is first, soul or humanity? I don't know. Spirit is definitely first because it is primordial cause. But soul was created by spirit, and spirit has created form as well and asks soul to take on form. So soul being the intercessor or the middle point or the, the, the buffer zone or the transmitter or the translator is part of the creation of all, of cosmic mind. And so... If we have soul, and we have humanity, and we have perception, and we have projection, maybe it's just a loop as well, where soul is asking, and mankind is delivering, and soul is wanting, and humanity is delivering. And so the wanting of my soul is playing itself out by the, by the experiencing of my humanity. And this is why I cannot even have a human existence or a human experience if my soul is not desiring. Desire is the fundamental cause of my human experience. And who's desiring if it isn't soul? Where does my desire come from if not from soul? 
And how does it play out? Only through my humanity. Everything that I desire at a soul level only plays itself out from my state of humanity. Because my state of being is inalterable. It already is. It always was. There's nothing to do to it. I, I cannot become spirit more profound. I cannot evolve on a spiritual level. I cannot become wiser at a spiritual level. All of, all of the change, all of the transformative aspects of my totality happen at a human level and are transmitted to the soul through my humanity and are processed in the soul within this continuum and are delivered back to at whatever form of energy is sent back from soul back to source. And so the collective consciousness at the level of consciousness, creative consciousness, is every bit of collective consciousness from every bit of creation that has ever existed from the point of cause. The initial point of causation, all of it has gone back to, as a reflection back to source because the cosmos is the mirror of source. Just like you're my mirror, as above, so below, we're the micro at the macro level. The cosmos is the mirror to source. God, that, it. As above, so below. We're playing out the same thing in a demitasse. That's it. We are the demitasse version of the espresso machine. <laughs> we look first inside, decide what kind of world we want to see, and then project the world outside, making it the truth as we see it. We make it true by our interpretations of what it is we are seeing. If we are using perception to justify our own mistakes, our anger, our impulses to attack, our lack of love in whatever form it may take, we will see a world of evil, destruction, malice, envy, and despair. All this we must learn to forgive, not because we are being good and charitable, but because what we are seeing is not true. We have distorted the world by our twisted defenses and are therefore seeing what is not there. As we learn to recognize our perceptual errors, we also learn to look past them or forgive. At the same time, we are forgiving ourselves, looking past our distorted self-concepts to the self that God created in us and as us. Well, mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's enough here from soup to nuts in this paragraph. So we've touched upon a lot of this already. Let's, let's see how much of it we can cover in the next 15 minutes. <sighs> we look inside first, decide the kind of world we want to see, and then project that world outside, making it the truth as we see it. We make it true by our interpretations of what it is we are seeing. So Whatever we have believed and set up as a truth for us, 
whatever our belief systems are, whatever our convictions are, that's what we're going to project outward, and we're going to taint absolutely everything that is in front of us with our own convictions, our own belief systems. Internal beliefs taint every receptor signal that we receive. And therefore, we are creating an experience of life of more of what we already believe to be true. What we believe to be true, we envelop every new assimilation of sensorial input, we envelop it with what we have established as our own current belief system. That's why old patterns and beliefs are so hard to break because everything that we're receiving as new sensorial information, we are wrapping it all up fully in our current belief system that was previously established. That's why change is so difficult. Jim. So when I'm here, when I'm here it is, it goes back to, it goes to one thing, and that is, is that we are set in our current world. The way in which I perceive the world is the way in which I judge the world. And it's the way in which I take in the experience of the world uh, <coughs> for myself. And to uh, allow this to shift is only through the forgiveness of uh, my past experiences and my, my perceptions and uh, of my errors in thinking. Yes, in, in, in every case that applies to a world of twisted defenses right. that are um, all about um, anger, impulses to attack, and lack of love. Everything that is not about impulses to attack and lack of love is coming from the foundation of truth and knowledge and needs no modification. So we can get to a point in our own development where we have less messes to clean up, less to undo, less to unlearn, less to transform. And that's where we can spend our energies in the joy of life more and more because I'm not today cleaning up constant messes. I used to vomit everywhere and have messes to clean up all day long years ago. Now it is very rare that I, or much, much less rare, that I create a mess of that magnitude. Yes, Jim? Yeah, so... so. You know, as long, if we're coming from love, we're not creating those errors in thinking. Right. And that's the bottom line, is, is anything that's not coming, any error in our thinking which is not coming from the foundation of love is, is where our issues come up with other people. And the forgiveness... Uh, allows us to come from, uh, from love. 
Yes. Yes. Of myself and other. Yeah. Any situation. Yes. Yes. And, and and easier said than done. Yeah, I agree. And easier <laughs> said than done, Be, because <clears throat> because it's 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 relatively reasonable to forgive impasses that are just objectionable, but those things that we consider catastrophic. You know, how does one forgive the violation and rape of your wife? How do you forgive that? How does... Or, or Hitler. You know, or how do you, how do you forgive, forgive Hitler? Hitler? Exactly. You know, how you, how do you forgive ISIS? That, it's, it's, you forgive him for his actions and forgive him for his error in thinking uh, coming from love. Right. So, so that, that is current past, and we can relate to some degree, even though yeah. we may not have lived in Germany, we right. may not have been Jewish, you know, and he is dead, and that's all history at this point. So right. if, if we bring... But going forward is the same thing. Yeah, and so let's, let's take something in concept, since we mentioned ISIS, the Taliban, Hitler, let's take something very personal, that would be equal to that in magnitude and see how apt we are to really forgive it. That's where it becomes difficult. Difficult. And so... Close to home. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Fernando. I think this paragraph is talking about forgiveness as something you're doing for yourself. Absolutely. 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 Absolutely for yourself. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand what is meant by, by defenses. There is a, if you look at, at like the next to the last sentence, we have distorted the world uh, by our twisted defenses. And before that, before the period, the, the word true appears. So we, the defenses must be against the truth. Yes. So somehow we are choosing to kind of cover up the truth, the truth that we are whole and complete and one and all that. Mm -hmm. Yes. But we are trying to hide that, and that's what they call defense. The well, ego wants to be right. <coughs> yeah. I mean, they haven't said anything right. about the ego. Right. No, and, and it'll, it'll come out. It'll come out later. Remember, uh, we're still in the preface. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still in the paragraphs of the preface. <laughs> I, I, I want to understand what the words mean, and it seems to me when they say defense, they're talking about defense against the truth. Um, when they talk about defense, they're talking about the need to defend that which is not true. Right. And we are constantly wanting to defend those things that are not held up by truth. And so they, it requires defense, and that's why we become, we become defensive when it is not based on absolute truth. Like racism and Everything in this realm. Everything in this realm is not based on absolute truth because it's all temporal. It and so it's all perception. It doesn't come from love. Well, the, the, it, it can come from love because our perceptions... Our perceptions in this realm can come from love, and therefore then they are founded and based upon truth or knowledge. That's true. It can, and that's the transformation that we're going to learn. 
that's that's what this whole course is about. We've not even begun the course yet. <laughs> but we're having fun. Or I'm having a lot of fun with this anyway. Yeah. Very illuminating. It is. It is. It is. It is. And so this this big paragraph that I rattled through, unlike all the others was just because it's all one concept and I wanted to put the entire concept on the table. Now, next week, we're going to come back to where we left off at the beginning of this paragraph where we had finished the dissection bit by bit and we're going to start dissecting this bit by bit because there's a great deal of meat in this. I mean a lot. You've picked a few points out of here, and we'll we'll begin to get into what is all of this forgiveness really about? I mean, what do we really need to forgive, and what do we want to forgive, and why do we even want to forgive when, in fact, the forgiveness is is for us? Why is it for us? Because I want to feel good. Because if I don't forgive, it's eating away at me. It's not eating away at ISIS. It's eating away at me. ISIS couldn't care less what I'm feeling. Exactly, because I want to have fun. <clears throat> exactly, because I want to live a love story. That's it. I want this to be a love story, the play. And so, what was that? There is there there is no room for ISIS in a love story. And so, the 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 real beauty of this is going to be. How do we live in this world that includes ISIS and find a way to be living from the standpoint of being in the love story and still not be in denial of ISIS? How not to pretend that ISIS is not happening and, uh, or say that it doesn't exist because we don't want to go into a state of delusion we're already in a state of illusion. We don't need to go into delusion. Okay? So we want to transform our illusion into something that is positive. What's so funny, Fernando? Share it with me. What's funny is the use of the word delusion that I thought we already defeated ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> We all knew that was a delusion anyway. Well, you're 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 in a much better place to hold in your heart the fact that we have already gone beyond ISIS because there's nothing to defeat. Okay? There's no war that's ever gonna be won on any level. But if we can transcend the ideals of ISIS and we can look beyond the whole concept of ISIS and if ISIS does not hold any grasp on our emotional makeup as to how we live each moment of each day, then we have transcended ISIS. That doesn't mean ISIS doesn't exist, but I have transcended ISIS. ISIS exists and affects many others who are from their own perception aligning with the concept of ISIS. 
I am not aligning with the concept of ISIS. And therefore, it does not have to become my reality. It can be part of the outer realities, and there are infinite outer realities, which I do not assimilate. I do not assimilate the realities of homelessness, of obesity, of drug addiction, of sexual abuse. Infinite realities are out there happening locally, right around me, within several hundred feet of me. They're all happening. Because I can go to any corner from where I live, and some reality that is not the one I want is going to be prevalent there. And yet, they are not my realities. Even though they're part of the world that I live in, I live in the world, I am not of the world. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Jen. Yes. So, you know, I, uh, what I've experienced and what I see about the whole thing is it's all in that paragraph. It's all about the forgiveness. Yes, it is. It is. And, and we haven't defined forgiveness yet based on the course. That is yet to be, de- that is yet to be defined. Next time, yes. So, anyway, um, I forgot to take a love offering. We're going to do that now. Let us take just a moment to...